HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Tillit NYC, hospitality uniforms for work and life. Look better, feel better, cook better. Visit us at tillitnyc.com. That's T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com. Oh, I just got an email from SLA. The lawyer? Yeah, the SLA lawyer. Uh, the conditional approval for the temporary permit. What? Uh, Is it a like beer and wine? I thought that that's what we were going to have to do, but Mike says, I just emailed him back and he says that it'll be for full liquor. But he also just told me today that it was going to be like nine months for the full liquor license. I thought that. I was like, oh shit. I, my stomach dropped. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, me too. I was like, but, okay. but he says that this temporary will be for full liquor. Fantastic. So, so now you can... We can start opening up accounts. We can make those drinks. Accounts. Excellent. We need that. We really do. (laughs) Yeah, I was worried. I mean, you hear horror stories. Like, oh, it took six months. Oh, it took nine months. It took this. It took this. Like, I didn't know what to expect. And when I saw that. I didn't even. Well, that other letter that we looked at from the SLA said 24 to 25 weeks or something, which is like, what, five, four, five months? Something like that. that time almost. A whole human. Welcome back to The Build, our newest season of Opening Soon. We are your hosts. I am Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. On the last episode of The Build, we dove into some of the POS flows of where people order, you know, sourcing for the space and, you know, all the details of the physical interior of the the restaurant um, that are the fun part as the owner and the person picking them out. But also those are things that the customer can really engage with immediately when they walk in the space, whether they sort of know it or not. You know, those tiles will make an impression. Those chairs will make an impression. Those, you know, pictures on the wall lead to what the menu is about and what the culture of of the space is. So um, that's the really fun part. Last time, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about this time as well. So today we'll be continuing our conversation about choices, but heading in a slightly different direction. 
Previously, we had heard that Eric and Lonnie had decided to roll out their new dinner menus slowly rather than, you know, diving into everything at one time. So they're keeping their original menu from 1.0, which was breakfast burritos and brunch offerings. Um, and so in today's episode, we're going to hear from Eric himself in conversation with his collaborators as he spends time intentionally sourcing ingredients, wines, and spirits for the new cocktail menu at Ursula 2.0. Let's take a listen. It's Wednesday, February 15th. I'm about to meet with John DeBerry, our okay. cocktail consultant well we're about to talk but you're here you're here in the room already and i can't do anything about that john's working on the first rendition of our cocktail program and we're going to go over that now i'm going to oh i've got it pulled up already oh look at that um so this was like it for me felt very on track, very much cool. what I was hoping, yeah. looking for. I love the juniper lemonade idea. Um, love the idea of a desert herb infused mule. Do you like the name Not Even? I I or mean non alk drink. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to. I mean, I think Angels on Your Pillow should be a churchy right, exactly. flavor. Right. Um, and I did like land it up. I like that you picked that one. Um, I, yeah, not, I didn't even, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I think the only thing out of the titles that I am just really hopeful and optimistic will make it in there is Dance, Dance, Dance. Yeah, it's a team I thing. Tell, I can tell. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the daiquiri it could be that. feels like Dance, Dance, Dance. Yeah. Um, however, maybe it could be, oh, you can, you can, my brother's also here, uh, working on the construction and he's, you can he's, speak. he's, he's over there sulking away cause he's not allowed to talk or, or interject. Uh, you, um, I just, the churchy apostolic sense and aromas. Yeah. I don't know if that will end up being too linear or too parallel to the Palo Santo. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, this is, I mean, we talked about doing five and I, I think I'm good. I wanted to give a bigger number so you could carve it out. Yeah. And just like eliminate one or. I mean, do you envision uh, angels on your pillow fitting a Palo Santo or a churchy decory? Sure. I feel like it could be yeah. that too. And a margarita can be. I don't really know what dance, the traditional usages of Palo Santo is anyway. So, like, what would that, you know, how would a name, like, yeah. reference it? I, I, I don't really know. For me, because we use it in the tea latte over at Ursula right now, and it has rose water, rose petals, palo santo, hibiscus. And for me, it was a soft floral, smoky aromatic that reminded me of being in church. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, palo santo is a churchy, okay. apostolic scent. So they're kind, of like, they're kind of like the same. Yeah. I wasn't sure what churchy... Herbs, actually, like, <laughs> well, I'm like, like frankincense, myrrh. Have you not been to church before? How were you raised? I was, I was, I was uh, very non-consensually brought into Roman Catholic Church. Well, same for us. Yeah, <laughs> but it was yeah. That was just a a, a sensory uh, memory for me. Yeah, that I was cool. playing off of. Do you want to have a spicy drink? I feel like people are going to expect us to have something with either green or red chili. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure because you said the menus would be spicy, so it's like, do you want to have a spicy drink? Yeah, spicy. 
food, like... Yeah. I think that a spicy margarita would work. Because I like the idea I mean, it's, of, a, it's a bit obvious, but sure. Right, I know. Yeah. I know it is. I know it is. Actually, <laughs> a couple people have been reason. like, are you going to have a green chili margarita? And I was like... It would crush. I want to, but yeah, but people, that's the yeah. expectation. When we yeah. did a pop-up at Winona's, I did a red chili and passion fruit Ooh. margarita with mezcal. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for the, for the margarita, because you do a mezcal tequila. Yeah. Oh, a little mix of the two. Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, like just enough mezcal to make it like a smoky thing, but I'll make mm-hmm. it like a mezcal drink. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that uh, that's one, two, three, four, five, that's six. six. Yeah. So we can cut one. Yeah, so I mean, I, I like the names. I like the direction of all the drinks. Cool. There, there are names that I want a New Mexican to come in and just get it right out the bat, but we'll have a, like, a glossary. If you're new to the John DeBerry fan club, you can check out his brand new 90s-inspired cocktail book called Saved by the Bellini. There's info on our show notes for that. And stay up to date with our journey as we're counting down to opening day on this podcast for Ursula, where you can actually head over to Ursula soon to quench your thirst, which we actually did. We did. What was the drink that you had? I had the Dance, Dance, Dance. It's a teen thing, which is like a prickly pear margarita and was hot pink and absolutely delicious. Sounds delicious. And I had an N.A. horchata that was made with some sort of pecan flavor in there. That was fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. It did. It smelled really good, too. And I am, because I'm me, and I never just have one drink with dinner, I did also have a really delicious glass of natural wine with skin contact from Zevro Vine Selections. So I think last time we talked, you were about to take off uh, to go to Austin, Texas for um, South by Southwest, and you were still frustrated with the architect and the permitting process. And I've also got that Simon was able to start the plumbing once the separate permit was received, and that the backyard was on hold until you had some conversations, uh, perhaps with the landlord. You were doing some wine liquor tastings. Um you're evaluating the actual physical move of stuff from 1.0 to 2.0. We talked about a sign painter coming to do the window and the bathrooms, which is an exciting, fun thing to see happen. Um, employee handbook and manual is on the way, and the menu was like sort of under development. So how'd we do? I feel like that's a pretty good review and a reminder for me. It always feels like I haven't gotten anything done, so thank you. Um... Yeah, I got back from Austin on Friday. Lonnie got COVID right when we got back, and I had been in the kitchen, also just kind of dealing with some other weird energetic stuff going on here. So haven't made a ton of progress since returning from Austin. Um, However, the DOB plans were submitted, I think that week that I left to Austin. I don't remember the exact day. Um, and something that was a really good revelation to me from our architect. So John, the architect that works at this firm that I was first introduced to, that's been along this whole ride with me, um, has been a lot more present, uh, in the last couple of weeks and working hard to expedite this as much as possible on his end. So I think that maybe some of our complaints and, uh, frustrations were being heard with the firm. 
Um, but he said that we don't actually have to pass the DOB inspection to open. Like, that can come later. So I've been frustrated by, like, waiting for all the timing of this. But he was like, well, you guys can open the door. It's, you can start your business um, before this all gets signed off. What happens if the DOB comes in and is like, you didn't do this right? Do they shut you down? I have to find out more about that, but I imagine that it would be like a, you have a week or two weeks to correct this. And if it's something that would require closing to do it, that's where the risk is. Um, but if they're like, this dimension is different, I would imagine that they just like resubmit with that change or we're not doing anything in this space that really is high risk for having to be like, upend everything that we've done to correct something. So that's, ex I mean, that's a, that's a positive development. That was relieving. Yeah. But then also it was like, okay, now it's back on. Now we definitely have to uh, get our heads in the game and like get going. And I know last time we talked, the menu was still something that you had on your mind that you needed to work through. How are we doing there? I'm hoping to tackle some of that today. <laughs> Um, so hopefully on the next recording, I'll actually have it finished. Just trying to figure out the rollout program or, or schedule. When you say rollout program, are you meaning like that you're going to start with lunch and dinner and then add in brunch? Or are you talking about like the actual, like physical pickups of each dish? Uh, no, like, um, I don't think we'll start with dinner. I think that we'll, I'm going to want to exercise the use of the liquor license as much as possible. So I think we'll probably start with having the bar or like the space open at night, but just small bar snacks and then roll out dinner later. I don't think that it is a good idea to start without brunch and then add brunch. Cause it's going to completely alter the way that the, uh, service and flow is, uh, captured on the weekends. And I think if we open just doing takeout the way we do, and then, for however many weeks we offer that, then all of a sudden be like, all right, no more sitting down at these tables unless you're sitting down and eating off the brunch menu. I think that'll be too confusing and I think it'll be easier to pepper in the dinner later. Alex and I started Till It about 10 years ago. I can't even believe it's been that long that we've been working together. It feels like an eternity, but also yesterday. And since then, we've outfitted hundreds of thousands of chefs. We're so thankful for this community, as well as 6,000 restaurants across the country and globe even. Alex, can you tell our listeners about Till It, what makes it so special and why we got started? Sure. Um, we got started with Till It basically out of necessity. Um, I had been a chef for a long time and I just didn't feel, you know, prideful in what I was wearing. I felt like the clothes were outdated. They weren't that comfortable or functional. Um, and so I essentially turned to uh, street clothes. And then that's sort of the point where we realized that, hey, maybe we should do something about this. 
Um, we started small with you know a few pieces, and you know I think that we the biggest you know advantage of what Tillit is is that we started with a commitment to modernizing our uniforms and working with the people actually wearing the clothes. Um, so everything is super functional. We think about utility first, then we think about aesthetics, comfortability, ease of washing. So it's really workwear that you can wear in the kitchen and then also uh, continue to wear when you're out on the street. So if you're interested in getting some fresh gear for yourself or for your team, we have a treat for you, our loyal Opening Soon listeners. You can get 10% off when you visit us at tillitnyc.com. That's T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com with the code opening soon. Opening soon. So Alex, what was on our menu over at Goods? We had um, a menu that was basically a breakfast and lunch menu. So we had breakfast was biscuit sandwiches, basically. Um, So we had a sausage biscuit. We had just an egg biscuit, you know, sausage, egg, and cheese combo situation. And we also had beignets on the menu. Um, You know, these were things that drew from where I'm from, New Orleans, you know, southern breakfast food. Uh, not the lightest on the planet, but certainly delicious and certainly fit into the concept of what Goods was with this, you know, retro mod uh, takeout window. Um, and then for lunch, it was uh, burgers. We had like a farm sourced uh, hot dog. And then we also had a really great uh, vegetarian sandwich that was actually my f- favorite on the menu, which was a fried green tomato, um, purple cabbage slaw and it had this uh, locally sourced Paulette cheese and homemade hot sauce that was an awesome sandwich. I need to bring that back some kind of way, somewhere. So if there are any chefs out there that want to make that sandwich, give me a holla. And do you remember how we built the menu f- of Tillit, how we came up with a business plan, and then how we communicated that to our customers and started collaborating with people? Sure. I think that you know when we started Tillit... Um, it was, you know, a, a new, um, a very new concept to the market. The idea of like elevated uniforms hadn't been done before. People, you know, wore because they had to, wanted it to be easy to clean, cheap, easy to, to dispose of. So, you know, concepting and communicating a high-end uniform company we knew would be a little bit of a challenge just in talking with friends and, you know, sort of, you know, getting their skepticism in general of that idea, um, which 10 years ago was kind of a silly idea. But today, obviously, you can say it, um, it was something much needed for the market. But I think that, you know, our goal when we approached it was to be very clear. You know, our company at the time was named Tillet Chef Goods. Um, we, you know, talked about why our clothes were different, why the price point was different, why the quality level was different, how the styling was different and how, where the designs and styling came from, you know, that they were coming from within the industry rather than people who just made clothes to, to sell to people in the industry. And we continue that today. I think it's, you know, part of, you know, our menu and our description of what makes us successful is, you know, staying very connected to the people that are wearing and using our product. Um, And then, you know, being very 
clear and communicative with them about why we're doing what we're doing, you know, having somewhat of a transparent business where we talk about where our clothes are made and what goes into them and, um, and the labor and, you know, standing behind them when there's issues and um, always, you know, being behind the wearer and, and ready to help them um, get into the product. So I'm about to have a meeting with Peter Redmond. He is a longtime friend of mine, but also just got his SOM certification not too long ago. Going to talk to him about curating a wine list for the new spot. Um, going to have a quick meeting with him to start going over some of the parameters of that. Hey, Peter. How hey. are you? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, Can I get to work? Thank you. Yeah. This one's from Sonoma, um, and Wendowski, I will tell you, because I have their Are people out. drinking California wines out here yet? Or, or again? Oh, I remember yeah. when I first moved here, it was like anti-California, <laughs> and you wanted the, like the most obscure There's reasons. definitely still a California contingency out there, and you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't like, nothing, no one place is a monolith. Um, I, yeah, there's definitely some, some good Cali. Stuff going on. Oh, I'm sure there is. I just remember like moving to New York, it was like nobody wanted these. <laughs> like in New Mexico, it, all the wine lists were very California heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But then coming out here, it was like everyone wanted every <clears throat> obscure, uh, like Eastern European island. Yeah. And you'll, <laughs> you'll get that still because, like, I think that New York is where a lot of psalms and wine, like, kind of tastemakers, like, he, are here. So they're always kind of steering the ship, but um, of course you can get good. good How it tastes like Riesling. Yeah, I think there might be Riesling in here too. Mm. You met John DeBerry yeah. at the little uh, toast the other night. He'll be working on the cocktails, uh, a queer bartender and uh, uh, cocktail book author. Nice. Um, and yeah, I feel like if there's parts of the creative process where I need to outsource, trying to keep it in in our in our family yeah in our, yeah in our community yeah which is totally um totally down for that and just thank you so much big big honor to not only work with you as a friend but work with um a restaurant that i've been a big fan of since the beginning for the cocktails like i'm trying to put a very concerted effort towards uh selecting spirits that are either distilled by or owned by uh, any marginalized group yeah. of people. So women owned or, or women distillers yeah. or uh, black owned uh, spirits companies like 10 to one. I'm yeah. going to use them for oh, the rum. Is great. They're um, whiskey, whiskey. I've heard company, that yeah. one's good too. Yeah. Uh, I haven't picked my whiskey, so I'll let John know <laughs> about that. But Condesa Gin is one of them that I want to do. That's distilled in a, in all all women run in distillery City. in Mexico yeah, City, yeah. yeah. Um, there is a vodka called Good Vodka that mm -hmm. I'm thinking about putting on the list. But There's also vodka called Super Gay. I have well, Super Gay's <laughs> on the list too. But uh, Good Vodka is supposed to be like a, a zero carbon emissions, uh, zero footprint um, vodka because it's made from the cascara of coffee beans. Oh, nice! But one of the owners I used to work with in New Mexico. Very so nice. there's certain things that I'm like, like I want this too. because I like it. Yeah. Uh, and initially I was like, I want Condesa gin because 
I love that gin. And then I found out more about the story and I'm yeah. like, oh, this is perfect placement. Um, <clears throat> so I want to put the same emphasis emphasis on the wine yeah. as well. Yeah. So we can work with um, vintners or winemakers that fall into any of those categories. Yeah. Um, black POC, queer women, yeah. any of those things. Indigenous. Indigenous. Formerly incarcerated. Yeah, absolutely. Like, any of the disruptors or the folks who would normally be shut out. Of the any industry. of the disruptors, yeah, yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, what price have you thought about price point for? I have beverage? because I still I want it to be accessible. Yeah. To a certain point, I'm not talking like nine dollar glasses. Yeah. Uh, or maybe we have a nine dollar glass. You could totally that's have part it. Of my, part of my thing is that I would love to be able to have stuff that feels good and mm -hmm. feels right for the space that feels right for our budget and like how much money we need to bring in. Yeah. But also is not negating to welcoming people that somebody could come in and everybody could get something. Yeah. Which some we'll have some beer too, but it, um, I've talked to John about doing the cocktails to land between like 12 and 16. Yeah. Um, and as far as the wines, were you thinking that they would more so like, Complement the food, complement the food and the cocktails, because they're kind of a, a, a running thread through the entire program. I, besides um, what you told me about, like I the feel makers. like that would be the running thread. Okay. I don't want it to necessarily be like disjointed. I can talk to you about some of what I've discussed with John in terms of the cocktails. I sent him a list of flavor profiles yeah. for food or aromatics yeah. um, that would make sense in the cocktails to pair. Uh, high desert herbs, um, pine, rosemary, sage, lavender, That's super helpful. chili, yeah, uh, prickly pear, palo santo, rose. I wrote down churchy and apostolic scents or <laughs> concepts. <laughs> Uh, myrrh. <laughs> myrrh, frankincense, uh, rose hips, fennel, aloe, nice. sumac, fig, uh, tamarind, corn. Um, the cocktail names I'm anticipating being very playful. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I gave him a list of like Albuquerque colloquial colloquialisms nice. or things that you would only really understand if you were from there. Yeah. But you would immediately clock. Like names of highways or names of like well, institutions. Or so there's the, we, uh, on the like late night radio request, these girls would always call in um, to like send out a request to their their boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. And they were in jail. Well, yeah, they were always in the Pinta. And so it was like these cholas <laughs> that were like request, sending a request, a love song to their, to their boyfriend, telling him that they were waiting for them to get out. And they would always like sign off angels on your pillow, babe. Uh, and <laughs> so if you grew up there and you heard angels on your pillow, you would know exactly where that came from. That's... So that's the direction of the cocktails. Nice. If that's helpful. Yeah, that is super helpful. So, like, wines that feel playful, too. Yeah. Um, I had another kind of interesting thought, but, like, educational versus inspirational. It sounds like it's kind of more enticing a feeling more so than... Like, I think that the... That's at least my reaction from what you just shared. Like, something very personal about 
you know, the new Mexican culture and things you grew up with that feels like it's kind of like getting at your heartstrings a little bit. Um, but there is also the other side of like, do you want something that kind of makes people think or is it more so people being playful? I'd rather being... you feel okay. than think. Perfect. Yeah. That's also part of the design that I've been working on through even more so with my brother is that <clears throat> if you grew up out there and yeah. you walk into here, you'll be like, oh, this is like my grandma's house. Yeah. A little bit. Like my grandma's house is not <laughs> this nice, but I, I, I like she's part of the inspiration. So I want you to like connect. Coming up next on The Build. How are you managing like your mental health and your stress level and all of those things right now? Uh, at three o'clock every day, I bang my head against the wall sometimes. <laughs> um, How does that work? Is it doing the trick? So far, it's working. Yeah, we can <laughs> right up. <laughs> Build is produced by Armin Spingen, Taylor Early, Matt Patterson, Alex McCreary, and me, Jenny Goodman. And a special thanks to Eric C. and Lonnie Holiday for all of their willingness and time to share with us on this journey. A very special thank you to the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for their support of Taylor's work as the Julia Child Writing Fellow. Our audio engineer for this episode is Matt Patterson. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Opening Soon is a production of Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Uh, there's another one called, that I'm really trying to <laughs> make, make sure that it's on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dance, 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 it's a teen thing. Uh, when I was growing up, there was this televised uh, like teen dance party at this place called The Beach okay. in my hometown. And it was, a, it was ridiculous, it was a mess. It was supposed to be like, it was uh, funded by the city. Uh, they put it on after the like 10 p.m. news and you would just see like high school kids dancing and they had hosts and like a talent show. And it was supposed to be a way to keep kids off the streets and to help prevent uh, gang activity on the weekends. Okay. But it ended up being like a huge uh, like location of gang fights <laughs> and gang activity. It ended up being the complete opposite yeah, yeah, yeah. of what it was intended to be. You know what time it is? Wow, what a party. I'm telling you, it does not get any better than this. Clear skies all the way until the end when the rain came down and cooled this hot spot. The VJs are up on stage doing their thing with the crowd, but that's going to have to do it for us tonight. We hope you guys enjoyed the show because we sure did. And we hope you got the 411 on teenage violence and know what a bad scene it is. <laughs>